0: Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewellery of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweller since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
2: Tortoise.
1: Hello. Hello. As is the way these days, the weather doesn't follow the news. It is the news. California is flooded by torrential rains in, let's remember, August. Canada is calling in the army to deal with wildfires that have been fanned by unrelenting winds. And Joe Biden is in Maui after its inferno. So it's the week beginning the 21st of August, 2023. I'm James Harding and I'm joined by Tortoise editors Keith Blackmore, Kat Neelan and Charles Watel. Hello to you all. How are you doing?
3: Hello. Hello. Hello.
1: Very well. Um, Charles, one thing before we get started, probably not the most important story in the world, but certainly a little noteworthy moment in space. What, what happened with this little Russian spaceship that crashed
0: into the moon? It crashed into the moon. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to. It was supposed to go into a controlled orbit and then lower gradually to the South Pole. But what struck me about it was the echo of history. In 1959... The Russians sent Lunik, Luna 2, technically, to the moon with the express intention of crashing it into the moon. This is 10 years before Armstrong. But there's a, there's a British angle here because they had no way at that time of persuading the Americans that they had been able to send in to, to hit the moon. And so they sent a telex to Jodrell Bank, huge radio telescope in Cheshire, where Sir Bernard Lovell, Bernard Lovell then... Uh, Got a message, please look at your telex machine. He was going out to play cricket and he said, I'll do that after I've played cricket. So we went out to play cricket. It was a weekend. (laughs) And he came back and there was like 20 feet of telexes with numbers on, which were coordinates for Lunik. And the Russians, the Soviets, were begging him to track their probe so that he would be able to say to the Americans, yes, they really did hit the moon with a rocket, which they did in 1959. How did he do the cricket?
1: I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Tortoise News meeting Lucy Letby On
0: each of the seven offences of murder And the seven offences of attempted murder I sentence you to imprisonment for life
2: Human Rights Watch has accused Saudi Arabian border guards of systematically killing hundreds of Ethiopian economic migrants
0: trying to cross from war-torn Yemen.
3: state of emergency has been declared in Southern California as Tropical Storm Hillary bears down, bringing torrential rain.
0: Spain are the women's football world champions, beating England 1-0 in the final in Sydney. I think we can be very proud of ourselves, only it doesn't feel that way at the moment.
1: Keith, Cat, and Giles, let's get stuck into it. What are your long stories short, Keith? Why don't you go first?
3: My long story short is uh, all hail Sweary Mary, and uh, <coughs> it's uh, I'd like to tell the story of the Lionesses and the World Cup through the through the um, focus on Mary Earps, the goalkeeper. Cat,
2: mine is What's Left Is Why.
0: Oh, that's a by the way, brilliant title for a novel, um, Giles. <laughs> No debate, Trump. He's confirmed he won't be taking part in the first Republican primary debates the day after tomorrow.
1: All right, Keith, why don't you go first? Should we start with the World Cup?
0: Sure. Uh, Well, it
3: ended in disappointment yesterday with the Lionesses losing to Spain. Um, The person I want to concentrate on is the goalkeeper, Mary Earps, who saved a penalty, was named the goalkeeper of the tournament and is widely thought to be the best goalkeeper in the world. I think her story both... Uh, tells the success of this tournament which has really illuminated a rather dismal summer in lots of ways because she has been brilliant throughout but it's also shows some of the things that that, that are still wrong with uh, women's football or rather the way we treat women's football so just taking the the good stuff it was brilliant the the um the games were all on in, in, in the mornings, in the summer holidays, so lots of people have watched them. And England did very well, and indeed Spain did very well. And the whole uh, nature of women's football has probably changed now by the fact that the big European countries are playing it so successfully. But against that, there are lots of things one wants to think about, about about how we still treat women. Um, women's football the fact that the president of the fa fa won prince william couldn't be bothered to go down uh,
0: to the final uh, well, is a do you know why by the way no he's not said, he's not said he's just too he's just a slacker isn't he isn't it because his dad hadn't been and so protocol required and his dad hadn't been the king hadn't been invited and so protocol prevented him from going oh nonsense oh what nonsense that he's can't. the president of the fa for goodness sake all right, Keith, get back to it.
1: What else is wrong well, so, with the way so, in which women's football works? Well, not so much wrong, but I,
3: but I think serious issues that arise from it. I think it's very interesting, the injury situation. The, yes. the, 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 if you're a, uh, there are six times more likely, if you're a woman, to have an a, uh, anterior cruciate ligament injury. And it seems to really have struck the, uh, during this tournament. England were without three of their best players. The Spanish were without a couple of their best players. And what, what, what is pretty evident, I think, is that training and the development of women's, the way women play football, is going to need look, looking at because, uh, because these injuries recur so, occur so regularly. Um, and so I think that, you know, for all the lovely talk about people rushing out onto the playing fields and running around kicking the ball, which is great, we also need to think about whether or not the game needs to be adapted a bit to make that easier.
1: So the truth is, I found the coverage of the World Cup and the Lionesses in particular doubly frustrating, even more frustrating than usual World Cups, where it's all wrapped in this, you know, sort of patriotic red, white and blue ink, because it's all of that, plus a certain unwillingness to really lean into some of these questions about the way in which the women's game is played. Funnily enough, the only thing I've seen that's really lent into this is a piece in The Economist at the end of last week that asked the question about whether or not, in the same way we've started to ask questions about the way cars are designed for women or sports kit is designed for women, why we're not asking questions about football boots, the footballs, the size of the pitch. The size of the goals. The size of the goals. Mm. Is there a is there an argument here, or are people so frightened that they're going to tip into essentially a history of chauvinism around sport that we can't even have a serious debate about how to make the women's game work best for women and therefore all the spectators of it? Uh,
3: there is an argument to be. I mean, I think we have to be sensitive to the fact that, that this tournament has been enormously successful and people have really really enjoyed it and the people who are playing it, the the women who are playing it are doing it very well but that doesn't mean that they couldn't make um, they couldn't make some changes to actually lead the way in football cad
2: my thoughts are on are on slightly different things although i think it's good that you you've picked up on the goalkeeper as as the kind of focal point because um i think the fact that you couldn't buy her t-shirt is such a kind of um symbol of how Yes, we have come very far. And I think this is probably a tipping point in terms of um, sort of enthusiasm and commercialism and, and, you know, kind of making it more of a sort of big sport. But the fact that you couldn't even buy her shirt, I think, is just a real kind of damning indictment. It's a if, massive, if this a massive
3: of, corporate blunder. I mean, if Nike had announced yeah. on Friday that they'd realised they'd made a terrible mistake and they were immediately met starting the manufacture of Mary Earp goalkeeping shirts, they'd have got an enormous amount of publicity for it. They just let it a- go by.
2: There was a woman in the pub that I was watching it wearing a T-shirt that she had actually just written um, Erp's name on the back.
0: Charles, what do you think? I cannot believe that I'm hearing it being argued that the rules, the parameters, the ball weight, the goals of the pitch size should be changed as a result of this tournament in some way. I'm sorry, but if there's a lesson to be drawn from this and the previous one four years ago, it's that women play football just as well as men. The most interesting, um, and I I, I I cannot help but thinking a lot of people would be extremely offended by the suggestion that you should change any of the rules. Uh, by all means, change them for both sexes at the same time, but don't make sort of women the guinea pigs because women are something, no, no. Charles, hold on a second, hold
1: on a second. But this is exactly the kind of thing that I'm talking about, which is, you know, excessive sensitivity means that we don't actually debate the issues. So the reason why I'm admiring of The Economist. Piece on this is that they are saying yes all hail the women's game yes let's lean in particularly on the broadcasters who've you know not scheduled it and not broadcast it and not made sure that it's reached the audiences and therefore the revenues they need all of that is true but the issue about women's body size strengths are different from men
3: well, also actually i i somewhat agree with giles in that i think you know if it ain't broke um uh, don't try and fix it, but, but Mary Earps, who is my subject here, is five foot eight. She's the best yeah. goalkeeper in the world. The best goalkeepers in the world in the men's game are six foot six. The goals are the same size. Uh, that gives them a, a totally different you know, approach to goalkeeping. Yeah, and it
0: also means uh, there's more goals
3: in the women's game. It's more yeah, fun. exactly right, That's, which is why I agree with you. But the fact is there are differences to be made, and I do think the ones that involve injury should be explored very carefully.
1: I know we're going to have to make a gear change given the other things that are in the news. I do think, Keith, I do like the way in which you identify it because I think going from misogyny in sport
3: to just straight up and down hero worship is no bad way of handling it. And, and Mary she It's
2: fantastic. It's love laugh, James. Laughing. It's not hero
3: worship, but like most of the country, I'm in love with Mary Herbst. There's a wonderful clip worth seeking out on, on um, uh, Google of her receiving an award, of Mary Earp's receiving an award for the, being the number one goalkeeper in the world earlier this year. She gives this wonderfully graceful sort of 90-second speech that would shame the average Oscar winner. Um, really? Uh, accepting it on behalf of all the people who sometimes find it difficult to put one step in front of another. She's absolutely Amazing. marvellous.
1: Yeah. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's play that at the end. Keith, thank you for the football. Thank you for the Mary Earp story. Cat, let's make a gear change. What's your story to start the week of Monday, the 21st of
3: August?
2: So my story is the um, devastating, horrific story involving uh, the nurse, Lucy Letby, who on Friday was found guilty of murdering seven babies at the Countess of Chester Hospital and attempting to murder six others. This is a case, a story that I've, as a... Mother of young children, one of whom was born during the period that Lucy Letby was active, I have basically avoided paying much attention to because I found it too traumatic. But I think you kind of have to confront these things at points, and 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 this weekend was one of them. The statements are being read out in court, sometimes by representatives and sometimes by the parents themselves, and they are just awful talking about how she played God with them and how they trusted her and now are left unable to trust anyone. And I think that is one of the many repercussions that is going to come from this story is trust in the NHS in general and this hospital in particular. I do wonder how long this hospital can survive because I can't imagine ever being willing to go there myself or to take my children there.
1: Sorry, Kat, can we just stop for a second? Mm. Because in all the coverage, I have to say that I found it difficult to follow this story too, partly because it's so distressing, but Mm. also because I found so much of the reporting has fallen into classic tropes, you know, heinous crimes, Mm -hmm. evil, these descriptions of Lucy Letby herself, which don't really help you understand why and how this happened
2: yes and this is why my long story short was what's left is why because the motive i think is something that has has left people very perplexed the the question as to why is obviously a a very fraught one because of course we can never truly understand anyone's reasons for doing anything especially if they don't um they don't seem to explain and um, she doesn't fit the sort of pattern of a male serial killer um, but you know uh, perhaps a sort of parallel with what we were talking about in terms of football female serial killers as I understand it do have slightly different um, patterns of behaviour I think that the question of why isn't just about her motives the the focus now is on why did the senior managers ignore warnings? Were they sort of blinded by her friendliness? Was she manipulating them? Or, you know, were they, was it just that they couldn't, because it is such a horrific thing to do and because she seemed like a normal person that they couldn't believe that someone could be that evil um and and uh, and that they be friends with them The, the, the other question i have is why didn't people at any point go to the police um and there is this sense of this sort of um hierarchy and i watched the panorama on friday which was very good and clearly the doctors who had come uh you know who were sort of paying attention felt very um emotional about it dare i say guilty that they hadn't uh, gone to the police but they didn't they followed the sort of hierarchy the nhs hierarchy of of reporting it internally and sort of not leaving it there kind of repeat um, sort of uh, reporting but they stayed within the system And that is something that I really struggle to understand.
1: Keith, can I just ask you a question about this element of it? So where this story moves after the verdict and after the sentencing is exactly, as Kat says, into an interrogation of the culture and the conduct of the hospital and the senior management of the hospital. How much do you think that is really a... um, Fair process. How much is that reasonable to investigate systems when, by the sounds of things, you've got such an exceptional case in terms of a very, very bad person doing unspeakably awful things? How fair is it to do what the news is always going to do, which is chase and see if we can find people to blame for failing to find it or see it or call it earlier?
3: I think that is the media's job is, is to do that in the immediate aftermath of this particular case. It's it's after all it's not the first case of its kind. There there was a case the Beverly Allett, I think her name was yes. uh, case back in um in the 90s who who didn't kill as many children but but um was still a serial
2: killer. And I believe at least one of the NHS executives was in the the hospital when that was happening as
3: well yes I, I do think the media has a job now to to interrogate all that i, I i'm s- somewhat of the view that you know like the old bruce springsteen line about you know uh, i guess there's just a meanness in this world some evil is incomprehensible to the rest of us and mm-hmm. and i'm not sure that you can
0: find out exactly what causes those sorts of things charles what do you think Uh, Confession time. The reason I haven't followed this story as close as I should over the years is precisely because, as you suggest, James, it's exceptional. Even if there is another serial killer of babies, uh, those two are exceptions. I, I am at risk of sounding extremely callous here, but it doesn't seem to me a story that tells us a great deal about the world. Yes, of course, there needs to be examinations, investigations to ensure that systems are in place to prevent serial killers roaming maternity facilities. But I think the NHS delivers more than uh, half a million babies a year and a much more urgent uh, subject for uh, investigation as to systems is why so many of those are delivered in corridors.
3: Can I argue a bit with, the, with, with Giles there, James? Because it, it seems to me that the whole idea that the two of the doctors had to apologise to, to this person for bullying is something that's really worth considering.
1: When you cover a story at this volume, to this extent, it's not really systems that you're looking at. What you're really doing is just... Pursuing a story that you know fascinates people f- for its awfulness. And there will be some people, Kat, who will say in time, I'm sure this will happen, that the coverage of Lucy Letby resulted in people being more frightened to leave their children in neonatal units, less likely to take their kids into hospital when they were ge- when they were being born. The unintended consequences yes. of media coverage are a problem themselves. And I suppose that's the point that I think is worth answering is whether or not you do keep on leading the news through the course of this week when the verdict was last week but you could at say that risk about of almost causing anything. fear.
2: You could say that about anything that, that, that the news covers. It, it, you know, if we highlight wrongdoing, we are... There is some responsibility on journalists to do it in a way that doesn't fear monger, but we have to do it because otherwise these wrongs don't get righted. If there wasn't the coverage of this and sh- and Lucy Letby is sentenced and that's it, then what happens to the executives? What happened to the executive in the Alec case? He He carried on. He stayed in a job.
1: All right, let's just take a beat and then we're going to go...
0: things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of
1: Pretty Litter,
2: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Giles, a debate without Donald Trump. Trump. Who's going to watch that? Wouldn't that
0: be nice? (laughs) Many fewer people than would have had he been joining. So he confirmed over the weekend on his Truth Social Mm -hmm. uh, platform that he won't be taking part in Wednesday's debate. And he said debates plural. So... He won't be challenged on his record, which he asserts. This is his record as as, as president from sixteen to twenty, which he, which he asserts is brilliant. He won't be challenged on his denial uh, about the 2020 election result, which he continues to assert that he won. He won't be uh, challenged more generally, this is by anchors or by his uh, rivals for the Republican nomination, on the indictments that he is now a uh, named in. That is um, four indictments, 91 felony counts. And I think perhaps most interestingly, we won't see, or the the world, the American electorate, won't see how those who are competing with him for the Republican nomination stand up to him, or whether they would, and if so, how. Um, from his own point of view, of course, this this makes good sense. He's 46 points ahead in a recent poll amongst uh, nominees. Uh, I think if I was a Republican presidential uh, contender facing uh, four criminal indictments, I'd probably duck out of the um Uh, debates as well. But I submit that it's a cracking story (laughs) uh, because it grabs, but also because we cannot normalise what's happening.
1: Can we just game out for a second, Charles, what it means for the other candidates? Who's the beneficiary of this
0: decision amongst the others? I don't think any of them are really beneficiaries because the big get, the big opportunity in any of these debates would be to face down Trump, to call him out. And I think... Uh, a, a candidate could turn the race on its head in a few seconds in that way.
1: Um, Kat, what do you think? Do you think that TV debates anyway are a bit old-fashioned and don't matter much?
2: I do think that it is, of course, important when it when it's done through the filter of um, what this says about the sort of likely outcome of the American elections. But um, I don't think that him not uh, appearing in a, um, a debate is is consequential. You know, if you think about the parallels with Boris Johnson, I mean, he hid in a fridge in the weeks before the election, and that had no bearing on his outcome because he was so personally popular, people didn't care. And as Keith just says, you have these two tribes. Most of the people probably that are going to vote for Trump have already decided that that is what they're going to do.
1: Or Just to say, all the advice of political consultants these days, as I understand it, is if you're in the lead, don't do the debate. John. I
0: think we're at a moment when the media has a role in the process which... Uh, is to prevent, to do some explaining, to do some examining of what is exactly happening here rather than normalise it and say, yeah, yeah, it's just Trump again. And what is happening here is uh, a four times indicted potential felon is running for president and taking the nomination for granted. Keith, before
1: I come to you, I just want to take one small sidetrack because we had um, one listener who um, sent in a voicemail after the conversation we'd had about essentially the erosion of democracies everywhere. This question about, can democracies live within law? Do we have rules that govern them? And she wrote in, I thought, interesting just to talk about those stories that we don't cover at all. It's just worth listening. It's about the complete absence of coverage of the apparent absence of democracy in Bulgaria, a country I don't know well, Um, that's her point. Have a listen.
4: Hello, news meeting team. It's um, Mart here. Uh, I've had a frustration that has been brewing for the last few years that has really come to the surface this week. Uh, I'm Bulgarian and while living in the UK and following the news, I've noticed that Bulgaria has not been covered at all uh we've had a democratic crisis with five elections in the span of two years uh, nationwide protests against corruption a few significant assassination attempts and multiple protests against domestic violence in truly appalling cases that have become well known and serious concerns that russia is trying to influence and become involved in our politics the only time i've heard any media organization really mentioned Bulgaria in the, any sense in the last few years, has been the recent spying scandal in the UK, and it is not even connected to the problems uh, our country faces. From personal conversations I've had, this lack of recognition has also led to bitterness and anti-Western sentiments. Um, why do you think there's so little coverage of Bulgaria and other Eastern European countries, with the exception of Ukraine, for obvious reasons? Uh, thanks, Marty. Keith, what do you think
1: of that point and also the broader question about whether or not democracy so of the broader point of democracy just giving way to popularity contests, ones that aren't governed by either rules or law?
3: Well, I'm always I'm always tempted to say that um, I don't understand why America bothers with all this democratic apparatus when it has uh, when it has Dolly Parton. They should just revert to uh, absolute monarchy. Um, but being being sensible about it, I, I mean, I I don't I I'm simply not capable of addressing the the question about about Bulgaria like everybody else. But America is the uh, country we look to for guidance on democratic process and or at least we used to I'm not sure that we're going to anymore
1: I'm interested to know what you think should lead at the beginning of this week Charles why don't you go first
0: Lucy Letby Kat
2: I think Mary Earps because I think there is more to say about the sticky mindset of 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 getting it of seeing women's football as just as viable as men's
3: Keith Lucy Letby, that's the sort of story the media is for.
1: Well, I have to confess I agree. Um, I think probably we're all in agreement.
3: Actually, the reason
1: I think you lead on Lucy Letby is a really simple thing. It's no small undertaking when you work in a community of people to make a complaint against another person. And the fact that those complaints weren't heard seems... Worthy of investigation and better understanding. So, I would lead on Lucy Letby and how the hospital reacted, and even now how the hospital reacts. I would have the second story, Donald Trump, because that is going to change the dynamics of the race for the Republican nomination in one way or another, and Mary Erps is the story that probably uh, will sit in people's hearts uh, in a good way, longer than the others, uh, but she probably doesn't lead. Uh, Let me just finish up by saying thank you, Giles. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, most of all, for listening. Um, If, like Marty, you want to weigh in on what you think, should be leading the news, whether or not our judgments were wrong, whether or not the running order was wrong, what you think come the end of the week should really be at the top of the running order, please do um, write in. It's newsmeeting at tortoisemedia.com, newsmeeting at tortoisemedia.com. We really love hearing from you, and it does shape the way in which we think about the meeting overall. For now, we leave you with the wise words of Mary Earps. This is for
4: anyone who's ever been in a dark place. Just know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Keep going you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Sometimes success looks like this, collecting trophies. Sometimes it's just waking up and putting one step in front of the other. Um, there's only one of you in the world, and that's more than good enough. Be unapologetically yourself. Thank you, everyone., Thank you, Mary, thank you so much.:
2: Tortoise.